All right, what's going on, everyone? Every week, we take a look at what is going on with real estate of the headline articles, what is actually going on with the markets in the local Bay Area. And so for this week, we're going to go over several news articles. Number one, housing affordability drops to 15-year low, according to Zillow. Rent spikes again in April. JP Morgan lays off home lending employees as housing market cools. Home sales in California dip below pre-pandemic levels as the effects of rising interest rates begin to show even as prices set another record. So that's something I, I certainly want to go over. Okay, well, why is this the case? Why are the sales less, but prices potentially increasing still in some areas? We're going to talk about how does that dynamic work. We're going to talk about our Bay Area homes actually falling in price. We're going to see the data itself so you can see. And then we're going to talk about some other new developments that are happening in the Bay Area, all the activity that's going on, the things that are coming to the Bay Area. So we got a lot to cover today, so let's jump right into it. Number one, housing affordability drops to 15-year low, Cornizillo. Rising prices, mortgage payments drive home buyer metric to lowest on record of the last 15 years. It makes sense, right? Uh, consumers are dealing with several different things. They are a combination of having to deal with inflation across the board, right? I mean, take a look at what your gas pump is. Just absolutely insane. And if you want to switch to electric, Tesla also increased their prices, right? So across the board, consumers are dealing with lots of just daily things uh, that, that, that affect their lives. But never mind that. What about for housing? Well, housing has certainly also increased uh, over the last couple of years. And with higher interest rates that continue to rise for them to try to fight inflation, housing will be impacted. The question is, how much of an impact and what can people expect, right? Because what happens, though, is when, when mortgage rates and payments continue to balloon, inventory is not recovering quickly enough to ease the supply-demand disparity. That's an interesting fact, right? Because what happens, though, in this situation is the likely move of somebody is also more limited. Because if someone has, number one, a low property tax, which is what we have here in California, if they've laid in their home for quite some time. Number two, if they had um, refinance, which a majority had refinance in the threes or even the twos, then the likelihood of them trying to buy a new home now at the fives or fours is a lot less. So those are all considerations, right? And the, the challenge that most people have to have to realize is, yes, Affordability is the worst it has been for the last 15 years, but so has rent been. Rent has been actually just as bad, if not even worse, right? And because if those people are not going to buy a house now, and the people that own the previous house are not selling their house, then as a result, renter, then the rent also increases a lot. So that's why you see rent increasing across the board, and it's been some of the highest levels it has ever been. So those are all like impacts right for the individual that they have to deal with because uh renting uh continues to not uh be that favorable for individuals so that is just happening across the board of affordability is happening on both ends so there's no win really uh if you're trying to time and be like oh i can't afford a house now let me afford rent well rent has certainly gone up quite a bit michael thanks for tuning in good question are you seeing lots of seller concessions right now prices seem to have dropped 10 percent ish from the peak so we're going to take a look at that at the very end, uh, which is what we usually cover every other week, which is the data itself. Is that really the case? Has prices dropped by 10% or is that a myth? We will take a look at that 
so you can see for yourself if that's happening. But are, are you seeing sellers uh, have concessions? The answer is yes. So this is why, like, at the end of the day, as a buyer, if you think about it, it goes both ways, right? You can uh, you can be in a hot market, and then you're going to have to bid up. And what are the pros and cons, right? On the pro is you're, you have the fear of missing out. Because if you do wait in a month or X time, prices will go up and then you'll you'll kick yourself. Why didn't you do that? So that's the mentality people have when prices are going up. When prices are declining, people think, oh, okay, that same property. Remember, this is the same exact property. Nothing has changed with the property. It's just the market has changed. Then they say, you know what? Can I buy for really, really low? There's something, you know, the mentality is just completely different. Even though the property is exactly the same as it was six months ago. And so why do I bring that up? Because now people are potentially going on the opposite uh, pendulum swing, right? They're going on the completely opposite side of being just thinking that everything is, you can't buy anything, which is not the case. And so the beauty of right now is that those buyers are actively looking. You can still, it's not like people can't afford a house. If people can't afford a house, then if you look back, you know, over decades ago, when interest rates were over 10%, there would be no transactions. That's not the, That's not how it works. And so people can still easily afford houses. It's whether they are okay with what the rate is right now. And we'll talk about strategies there too. But the, the fact is there are opportunities. Like you can buy with low percent, low money down, right? In the past, you couldn't because your low money down wouldn't have been had issues appraising. And so you wouldn't have been able to uh, actually go through with that transaction because you had a big risk that it wouldn't appraise. But now you can go with low money down. You can also go with uh, adjustable rate mortgages. I mean, even seven-year, 10-year arm products, which are basically a much lower rate than 30-year fixes. You can go with that first. Those are still in the fours, to be fair, right? So you can do that. You can then refinance later on. So you have lots of options there. But on the seller side, there's also more flexibility. Like I got a two-in contract of requiring someone to sell their house first. So we were contingent on the sale of a house that wasn't even on the market yet. Like, do you understand how amazing that is for a home buyer to have even that option that they've never had had, right? Like there are there are flexible things that are there now than before, or of course, price drops, right? So we got in contract for an, another great home. They listed it for, you know, 3 million bucks. Uh, we were able to get it for, you know, over 10%, 15% lower than, than their original ask price, right? And that didn't take that long to do. So it all depends on the situation. So what you want to understand is, okay, well, what is the situation, the strategy for that individual home? And now is the time to potentially take some risks of, okay, if you're okay, potentially losing the home, you may be able to be very aggressive on price and you may get it. But you, you still have to realize it's still like, Things are still moving, right? Not every home is just sitting stagnant. That's not how things work. There's still hundreds of homes that transact every single week in a county alone. So, but you just have to understand, okay, what are the, the levers you have? What are your options? And for this home, if there's not that much competition, I would say if you're okay to potentially lose it, because that's the risk of going lower, you can take that bet and then uh, make an aggressive price. And then we see what happens. Um, so that's what I'm telling clients uh, for those that are willing and interested in making that, uh, making that bet. So that's about housing affordability. Next, rent spiked in April. So as I mentioned, the downside about this is that if they're not buying a house, 
What do you think they're doing? They're just paying rents. And the reality is there's no affordable rent that's being built ever, right? Look across the Bay Area. Look across everywhere. It's all luxury ones. And those are getting completely filled too. It's not like they're empty. So the fact is there's the rent is going to continue to rise because those builders are building these new inventories, all these luxury ones. And so that's a very material to deal with. Um, that's very material to deal with. Tehan, thanks for tuning in. I am here in the San Francisco Bay Area. More importantly, I'm in the South Bay. Next, what, what does happen when things rise though, right? So price, there's two, there's two variables that are important. There's a transaction volume side of things and there's a price side of things. They aren't necessarily correlated and people make a huge mistake of that. They're not exactly one-to-one. -one. Oh, oh, it's slowed down 20%. That means price is going to slow down 20%. That's not how it works. A lot of people just choose not to sell anymore. But from a business perspective, that's why you see layoffs at companies, at real estate companies, like lending. The volume will decrease. There is no doubt about that. That happens every single time. The volume decreases, right? So what does that mean? These companies that have a fixed headcount that are processing, you know, X amount of uh, loans a month, right, will mean to make adjustments. And so that is a very big factor uh, of this is that they will lay off lots of employees because they don't, the volume is a whole lot less than before. And so you also see that with others, right, whether it's Compass that you saw previously, whether you saw Redfin, whether you saw these players, because they have a very fixed cost structure banking on the transaction volume. Well, when that changes, layoffs continue to happen. So the thing is, as you can see, if the th if things continue to even slow even further, this will get worse because this is an initial cut. You can I may argue that a lot of these cuts aren't actually that big yet, right? Because they're they're just probably just truly near normal trimming of of, of fat. To be fair, um, so you can see like they only they only you know affect a out lay off the hundred people out of two hundred seventy four thousand. So it's not even that much. But, of course, this will catch the headline articles and things like that. Um, Tehan, I'm from San Francisco. That's great. I'm looking in the North Bay. Do you focus here at all? I do. So why don't you just send me a note. Uh, send me a text if you don't mind, and I'll get back to you after 408-547-4590. We can call, go over some options that can be suitable for you. Meg, thanks for tuning in. When do you see renting being more affordable? Um, you are looking at South Bay and the Peninsula to rent in the next four months. I appreciate you tuning in. I don't think it's going to get more affordable. I think it's going to get worse. As I mentioned, if you the only way rent gets more affordable is from a pure population shift. And uh, we don't we're not having a shift away from the Bay Area. There's still lots of people coming. That's why rent continues to increase. And as a lot of people give up and not buy homes, all the, all those buyer pools of the rents are now just going into the renter pool and competing there. Right. And as I mentioned before, Look at all the all the all the apartment complexes. Anything that's being built, those are all luxury ones. Why are they doing that? Because they can, right? There's those are all rented out. They're not like they're vacant, right? So I would say, look for you know if you want to try to save money, try to uh, get a bigger place. I would say actually actually I would say this. This is a strategy. Get a bigger place. So don't get like a one bedroom, two bedroom. Get a house and then try to split that with others. There's so many people that are willing are, are are wanting to save money. So so go with that approach, right? Get a bigger house than you would need, 
and then try to find renters to all go on, on that application at the same time and then split it. And then each renting out rooms will be a lot cheaper than doing uh, something like uh, your own separate space. Yes, it'll be inconvenient, but you can save money and hopefully you can, uh, everybody else is doing the same thing. They're trying to save money either to, for the, just for their own cash flow perspective, or a lot of people do that to then save for a house as soon as possible. Then they buy a house and then they do the same exact thing. They rent out all the rooms and then now they're the landlord. So that is actually the best strategy that you want to use is uh, try to find others. There's plenty. Just look on Facebook groups everywhere. There's tons of people trying to find rent. Like it's cross, it's crazy. It's everywhere. The Bay Area is super busy um, when it comes to this kind of activity. But I hope hopefully that helps. So as I mentioned, more news. Home sales in California dip below pre-pandemic levels as the effects of rising interest rates begin to show even as prices set on the record. We just saw another article of that, and this was posted just as of last week. We'll talk about that. Um, we'll talk about that altogether uh, because some of this information is lagging from these articles I want to go over. Are Bay Area housing prices falling? Now you see a lot of news uh, sharing this, this feedback. So we're going to talk about that momentarily when we see the data itself. We're also going to talk about some of the activities, right? At the end of the day, what I want also people to focus on is things don't just stop, right? There's still lots of activity happening across the board. Yes, things will go up and down just like they always do it with the real estate cycle, with the economic cycle. But there's still activity being built and being done throughout the entire of the Bay Area, right? San Jose Council approved nearly 1,000 housing units in New Urban Village. This is a pretty big move that continues to be uh, continues to be to be done, right? Like a lot of these mixed use spaces. I mean, this is this is fantastic in terms of options and where it's going to be built. And take a look at this location. This is west of Campbell, so it's a very good location. And um, yeah, it's a very good lo location. It's not. This is not the. This is not the same as uh, Google Village. So for people to be clear, there is re rezoning, redoing space, and having it mixed use. And this is quite frankly what's going to be a lot of new housing. They're all going to be these kind of styles, very similar to like if you think about what what Santana Row has done. I mean, did you know those those flats and those condos are over a million dollars? And they're very desirable, right? So as long as they can, people can create an atmosphere of things to do in an area, there are solutions there and people will certainly pay those prices. So that's something just to be mindful of and what to be watching out for. You bet for your life science, Bay Area sector remains sturdy despite uncertainty for tenants. This is really fascinating, right? And I've continued to harp on this almost every week because there's always some new article every week about how big life sciences has been. So the square foot of the Bay Area of life science space is about now at 34 million square feet. The Bay Area ranks in the top five in seven of nine key metrics that Collier's use in a snapshot, and, and et cetera, et cetera. There's a number here that I want to share just in terms of size. Um, see, the Bay Area market recorded 3 million square feet of absorption last year. That number was well above 10 other U.S. sub-markets. Boston, which ranked second in that metric, recorded only about 2 million square feet of absorption last year. So it's just showing the velocity of the growth of the Bay Area life science space. So whether you're in biotech, we're going to see this happening still a lot. As I mentioned, I do have concerns because their valuations have been cut a lot. But then again, these are, these are huge home run bets. 
whether it's in sequencing, whether it's new drugs, whether it's new developments. Uh, there's, all, there's all sorts of these uh, interesting opportunities that are happening here. And so we will see how this plays out. But the Bay Area has done the best uh, out of the entire country when it comes to this, uh, this, this area. Here's always something interesting, right? Like people always ask, why don't we try to build more housing? But a big problem is, look at this, affordable housing in California now routinely tops $1 million per apartment to build. Like seriously, $1 million per apartment to build, a record-breaking sum that makes it hard to house a number of growing low-income Californians who need it. I mean, it's just like, what are these people doing? I mean, this makes like no sense. Right, a million dollars for for a project like this, like this, that just seems, and it is, just way too high. See, like the project with partnership with the city of San Francisco and St. Louis for profit developer cost ninety one point seven million, which translates to one point one million dollars per apartment. That makes zero sense. Like, there's almost like, I mean, look at these projects in the Bay Area. All right, they're all a million dollars per unit. So when you see these, you're like, how in the world can one solve? Like, this is not an affordable housing problem. This is a this is a massive like supply issue. Because even if there are like new, like actual developers, if there are actually even developers for sale, it would probably cost less than this. So you can see like why a lot of these projects are just not that efficient when you get the government involved. Like, this is just like, this doesn't make any sense. Makes no sense. I My guess is that the cost per apartment, if you're like looking at, look at the new apartments that have been built, or at least the new um, condos. If you look at like Nuevo in like Santa Clara, I mean, those are selling for 1.2 to 1.5 these days. I don't think their cost of building was at a million bucks each of that. It's probably less. And so... These are just really, really interesting. And as you can see, big problems, uh, very big problems. It doesn't make any sense. And look at these returns, right? Like these are these are only renting for 2,800 bucks and it's, it's cost a million dollars to make. Like this is like a giant money losing thing. And it, it makes absolutely no sense of what is happening. Uh, yeah, but then again, it's a government project. So I don't, I don't really know how they can solve this or how they'll ever be responsible for this because these are just absolutely insane numbers of the cost to build one unit. Makes absolutely no sense. Absolutely no sense. Never mind. Uh, Block gives up San Francisco office space as downtown continues to struggle. This is happening across the board. As I mentioned, San Francisco office space does not is not doing well and it continues to be the case. There hasn't been too many new moves of, of new entrants into the San Francisco office space. And uh, I don't think it's going to be changing anytime soon. So very uh, disappointing news for the landscape of the San Francisco office space. And here's some ballooning news, too, which is a little bit of what we covered. Uh, $5.3 billion San Jose to San Francisco high-speed rail cost ballooned by over 200%. San Jose to San Francisco, just that line costs $5.3 billion. Will this ever happen? I'm not sure. I am not sure if this will ever happen. Who knows? Leave in the comments below if you remember when did this project actually start? Because um, I don't think it doesn't seem like a whole lot's been going on. It hasn't been reported that much. 
Um, yeah, I know they're electrifying the Caltrain line. So they're going through that. But the fact that this is continuing to spiral just like crazy because there's no accountability of this. There is inflation, which is real. But at the same time, these always happens by like way more than what inflation numbers are. So it'll be interesting to see when this actually plays out. I know they're electrifying the line of the Caltrain, which would be good. But then we're repurposing that entire line itself. You can see this line just falls through the Caltrain station. So, um, so yes, it'll be interesting to see when this actually will be done and where, when would the final result be, especially as the ridership now is a whole lot less than before. Okay, let's take a look at the market updates itself. So let's take a look at the data. So the key about this is I want to bring up a few metrics that people should know about. I want people to compare several things. How many new listings are coming up for this particular week? There's no holidays. Well, there's Juneteenth, but um, it's as you can see, it's kind of the same as it was before. So the new listing count is kind of similar to it was back even in April and in and in March, or sorry, in May. You, but the difference is you can see the absorption, right? So the number of contingent and pending is less. It's not like 50% off, right? It's just you know 20, 30% off. You can see what happened with prices though. So the June figures were, I mean, we're at the 24th or 25th. So we're already getting close to the end. So these numbers are pretty much gonna be finalized. You can see it just depends on when you compare it to. So if you compare it to the highest of April, yes, it has dropped by the by Michael, what you have brought up, maybe around the 10% mark. Uh, so it's all relative to when you compare it. If you compare it to May, it doesn't seem that way, right? So when you do the comparison of a home, you gotta see when did it actually sell, what, what, what did it look like? Like how's the conditions, any negatives? You do the plus or minus, you do the evaluation like that, like an appraiser would. And then you come up with the valuation. So it's just important to be mindful of the trends and, and each county has something a little bit differently. If you look at condos and townhomes, it has declined, as you can see. Next, Santa Clara, 532 new listings. So that's quite a bit of new listings, a little bit less than some of the April, May timeframes. You can see the contingent pending a whole lot less than the San Mateo County. Right. This is a very big decline, 230. This is a this is the big decline of you know 40%, right? 40% decline in the amount that's going contingent pending. So you can see the inventory levels will will keep rising. You can see the prices, the prices have also declined, right? So you can see May, uh, March, April, May were the highest times, and you can see June figures have declined. So it is real and it is happening across the board. Now the question that people have to also remember is. Relative to interest rates, has it actually declined that much? If you compare now, interest rates are about maybe 2% higher than it was at the highest, at the, the best time, which is equivalent to about 20% of monthly payments. So if you look at that, then we're not there. So it's actually still have been better to have bought at that time. But uh, obviously, time will tell us things continue to play out. Condos and townhomes, same result. Look, Alameda, look at the absorption, 194, right? This is a very much lower number than before. Same kind of 30, 40% less contingent pending. You can see prices have actually declined in June. May was still a very strong time for them, but then prices have declined in June and have already declined now for condos and townhomes uh, too. Um, let me see if I have Marin County. Yeah, Marin County too. So Marin County, everywhere, see, as you can see, everywhere was kind of the same story, right? A lot of it was either peaked at April, May, which makes sense. That was a very hot time. And then June figures are already much lower than, than it was. But I would also cautious some of the things. Let me just see this too. 
If you look at Santa Clara, <clears throat> one of the things about this is there's also aspects of seasonality. So I, it's a, it's a combination of the two factors. The summer is less busy, to be fair, anyways. So there is that to be factored into. So it's not all economy, not all interest rates. There is also a lot related to um, just general seasonality. I know people are traveling like crazy. I know I have like four or five trips in the next two months alone. So there is that aspect of seasonality just to factor in, but it's all of those factors in of why we're seeing this. So for buyers, as you can see with this kind of spread, it's, a, it's just great opportunities for those individuals because you have a lot to choose from. So if you can't find a home right now, it's not about a lack of supply. It's about, are you looking still in the right areas? Because you can see the median price is still in Santa Clara County. Let's say it's like 1.7, 1.8 for a single family home. So if your budget is 1.2 and you're like, why can't I find any homes? You're still not looking the right places, right? So people just need to be well aware of that and understand like at the end of the day, yes, prices have declined, but you should still be looking in the right areas. It's not like all of a sudden your budget is good for every place in the Bay Area. So you still got to be realistic and mindful of that. At the same time, you also have to factor in the increase in interest rates because the fact is, if you look at those numbers, your affordability actually is probably still worse than if you bought it in April, given the interest rates increase. So my suggestion for those individuals, think about like adjustable rate mortgages, ARM products, because you can always just buy the house and then refinance at a later time. I don't suspect interest rates will stay this high for the next five years. I don't think that's the case. I think it'll probably be for the next couple of years, but I don't think the next five years. And then ultimately you can then decide to refinance at that stage, do a 30 year fix, you redo it to another ARM rate. You have lots of options. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, I don't think I'm going to do episode next week, given it's going to be the long weekend and I'm going to be in Vegas for the UFC fight. But of course, if there's any questions, feel free to leave in the comments below or send me a text. Voice your rate 547-4590. I'll see you at the next one. Bye now.